Everybody doing good, bad, just okay? Good, awesome. I'm doing pretty good too. Anyways, this morning we're kind of going to jump right into things. We're going to go into the Old Testament and we're going to read through a story that might be a little strange. I think bizarre was the word that came to my mind as I was kind of studying and reading this story. But before we do, there's just a couple things I want to point out before we jump into it. The first thing is it's very bizarre, so bizarre in fact, I just kind of picture the Israelites kind of sitting around a campfire, parents telling their kids, their kids laughing and going like, mom, dad, there's no way that happened. There's no way it played out like that. It's one of those stories, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to go, why is that included in this holy book in our scriptures? It's okay to chuckle, but it's also important and it's in there for a reason. And so we're gonna try to pull out a couple truths from this funny, interesting story. The second thing I wanna just kinda give us is God used an unlikely hero. Somebody who maybe his peers, maybe himself didn't expect to be used. And God uses unlikely people. And the third thing is there's just no way we can pull out all the gems in this story. I think I have 28 minutes left on my counter. If we wanna stay till two o'clock today, we could. Actually, I don't think we could, but I want to challenge you guys, go home, open to the book of Judges, read the stories, reread the story we're about to go into today, and see if you can figure out and pull out more, because scripture is alive, it equips us, and there's so much to be learned. You know, I was recently convicted, I would read my devotions, and recently I've been doing my devotions on the Bible app, and after I read it or I listen to it as I drive, I get a little check mark, and I go, okay, I'm a, I'm a good Christian today, I, I got my check marks, I'm all good, I'm all caught up. And that was my devotional life, was just kind of wanting to get the check mark so I can feel like I'm doing a good job. I want to challenge all of us, myself included, go study the stories. Look up the places that are mentioned. Look up the characters. See where they're, see this Old Testament narrative where God's story is leading and how we can apply it to us today. There's so much truth that I skip over just because I just quickly want to get my day started. I read my devotions and I forget about it. And so those are the three quick things I kind of want to give us before we jump in. And the last thing is I do this at youth group, so students, you might know what I'm doing here, but I usually give the kids kind of the point I'm sharing. And I'm going to do that with us today. When, when I teach at youth, I say, okay, guys, when your mom or your dad or your grandparent or whoever picks you up, you're going to be driving home in the car, and they're going to turn to you and go, okay, Greg, like, what did you learn at youth group today? That's generally how the conversations go. I say, okay, this is the answer you can tell them, so it looks like you were paying attention, right? This is what you got to tell your parents or whoever picked you up. And so I'm going to do that with us today. And I don't want to give you this and for you to check out. I want you to think about this phrase. I want you to think and chew on it as we kind of go through the story together. So the one thing I kind of want to point us towards this morning, kind of the, the purpose of what I'm having to say is that our limitations don't limit God. So chew on that. Think of that. Your limitations do not limit God. If you write down sermon notes, write that at the top of the paper. Chew on that for a little bit. So we're going to go back into the Old Testament. One of, honestly, my favorite stories, how an unlikely person who was limited delivered an entire nation. How God chose to use this unlikely hero, but 
he wasn't a hero like the superheroes we watch today in our culture, in our world. We love superhero movies. I was, two or three weeks ago, my wife and I, we went to go see the new Thor movie, and it was fine, you know. I've seen better movies, but I was entertained for the two, two and a half hours that we went to see it. And after the movie, I stood up and kind of looked around, and I was shocked by the people that were there. It was packed by like 95% of people older than me. And I thought, okay, this is kind of like a, a PG action kind of younger kid movie that adults seem to love. And there's something about a hero defeating the bad, good versus evil, saving a city, saving a situation. There's something that we as a culture, we love about that. So what I did is I went home and I jumped on Google, which can be a scary place sometimes because what happened was I found myself 30 minutes later Googling something completely different. I was kind of lost in the whole of the internet, but I wanted to see how the movie Thor how it did at the box office and if people liked it, the reviews. And I came across this stat. It said one Avengers movie, so Avengers is linked to Thor, one Avengers movie produced at the box office $2.8 billion. Let that sink in for a second. Not million. We as a people spent $2.8 billion to watch a story about a bunch of heroes defeating a bunch of bad guys. It's pretty wild a lot of money. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I could, I, I could use $2.8 billion. I, we have a book in the Bible, the book of Judges, with a bunch of real life heroes. We have our own Avengers. I'm going to pitch this to Marvel and see if they can make a movie out of the book of Judges. This is kind of what my pitch would be like. The Israelites were God's chosen people. They found themselves in slavery from the Egyptians. And God raised up a leader named Moses, who was a stutterer, who was a murderer. And he went to Pharaoh and asked for him to release God's people. And Pharaoh continually said no, and Moses kept going back and back, and God would put plague on plague on the Egyptians until finally Pharaoh said, go, get out of here. I've had enough. And so off the Israelites went. But that wasn't good enough. Pharaoh changed his mind and sent his army to get the people back, to get the Israelites back. But God performed this miracle as Moses put a staff in the Red Sea. It opened up. The Israelites went to safety. They went towards their promised land. The Red Sea collapsed over the Egyptians and they were free. They thought they were. But they started to wander in the desert for 40 years. What was going to happen? Right? This is where the plot would thicken in the movie. Right? Moses dies, Joshua gets risen up, he begins to lead the people, but the Israelites continue to sin, and God continues to let them wander until they finally enter in to the promised land. But once they're there, they fall into this cycle of worshiping foreign gods, worshiping different things, not worshiping Yahweh, their Lord, and God would remove his hand of blessing. And when they would repent and turn back, he would bring up a judge, bring up a hero to deliver the Israelites. Right? We have Ehud, right? the disabled slayer of these obese kings. We have Samson, the long-haired hunk that killed people with a donkey's jawbone. We have Deborah, the prophetess. We have Shagmar, the ox warrior. We have the Avengers right in the Bible. I think this is a $2.8 billion idea. Maybe not, but we're going to look at the second judge. We're going to look at the story of Ehud this morning, and we're going to see kind of out of this cycle how God used an unlikely hero to deliver a nation. And we're going to see how we can apply that to our life. So Judges 3 verse 12, if you flip there in your Bibles with me, this is what it says. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, 
the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel. They took all their possessions of the city of Palms, that's Jericho. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. So the generations before, they were slaves in Egypt. They get free. They wander the desert for 40 years. They enter the promised land. They turn and they sin and boom, right again, God removes his hand of blessing off of them and they find themselves under Eglon, under the Moabites for 18 years. This is where we're gonna first stop and the first thing we're gonna try to pull out of this story is that sin has consequences. The sin of the Israelites has consequences on their lives, on the generations. God removed his hand of blessing and actually allowed a pagan king, a foreign God that the people worshiped to rule over his people. And, and that's an interesting thought. You know, as Israel was caught in this pattern, we see it all throughout their lives. Even if we rewind to Deuteronomy when Moses was leading these people, this is what it says in Deuteronomy 26, verse 28. This is what Moses is saying. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving to you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. We can see here that obedience leads to blessing. Disobedience leads to barrenness. What is barrenness? It's lacking something. When we disobey, we lack the blessings of God. And I wanna be careful here. I'm not gonna stand up here and say, give your money to the church, give your time to the church, follow to a T everything the Bible says, and your life will be perfect. You will not suffer any pain. You will become rich. You will get all the blessings it talks about in the Bible if only you give your money, your time, and your treasure. It's not what I'm saying. But what it's made very clear so far in this story is that our sin has consequences. And when we obey, when we follow God, we're able to go to him and ask things of him. This is what it says in Matthew 21, 22. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's a tricky verse, right? But Greg, I prayed for my kids. They're not showing any signs of wanting to love the Lord. I've prayed for my spouse. I've prayed for my parents. I've prayed for my friends. I've prayed for myself. Life's not getting any better. I'm obeying the Lord. I'm doing what he says to the best of my ability. Why is he not answering our prayers? And I wish we could have a better answer for that. But as we chew on that, as we wrestle with that, we sometimes feel like, you know, I'm gonna insert my prayer. I'm gonna insert my toonie into a vending machine and I'm gonna pick Smarties and Smarties is what I'm gonna get. Right? We, we pray and we ask God for these things and we say because we've been obedient, we deserve an answer. But what I think we need to realize is we need to take a step back to know that we're not the God of our own life. We have to trust and have faith that God is a good father. He's gonna give us exactly what we need and we can contend and we can go to him prayerfully asking for things, but it has to align with what he wants for us. There's a bigger story going on. And so what's happening here? It's that God is a father that gives good gifts, but there's consequences for our sin. So that's our first little takeaway. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, a son of Gera the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud 
had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, like 18 inches, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. Okay, this is where the bizarre stuff starts coming, okay? After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way those, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, leave us, and they all left. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. Upper room is kind of like the bathroom, just so you know. The king rose from his seat. Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle, 18 inches, even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out and the fat enclosed over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. Bizarre. Weird. Kind of off-putting. What, what's going on here? But we got to kind of break this down here for a second. So it said Ehud was a Benjamite, a left-handed man. So what we know, theologians have studied the tribe of Benjamin, and there was a recessive gene, they said, that caused some of those men to be left-handed. But during this time, everybody was right-handed. And if you were kind of ambidextrous or right-handed, they, they would force you to be right-handed because that's how you would fight. You'd hold your shield in one hand, your sword in the other. So they wouldn't even think that this Ehud guy would be disabled in his right hand because clearly he would have used his right hand if he could have. So right off the bat, we can learn, based on how it's talking in this scripture, Ehud was disabled. He was not able to use his right hand. And they would have thought lowly of him because why would he go to a king and say, I have a secret message for you? And the king goes, ah, sure, get away from me. All my guards, you come here, come into my inner room. Right, it's a personal space. And the guards just let it happen. And they would have checked Ehud, but it, no, it notes in the scripture that most right-handed people would have put their sword on their, on, somewhere on their thigh and so they would have checked their right th- thigh, but Ehud was left-handed. So they didn't think to check his right thigh. He was an unlikely hero. And let me ask you something. How often do we complain about our limitations? You see, not being right-handed would have been a huge limitation at the time. Like I said, he would have been looked down on. Are we looked down on? I'm not rich enough. Not skinny enough. I'm not good enough. I have this disability. I have this learning problem. I'm not skilled in this area. I made a mistake that has consequences till today. Do we have those things in our lives that we look at as excuses not to do things with, not to allow God to use us? Do those limitations limit how God can use us? Because they shouldn't. We have to be willing to let God use our limitations. It's interesting. I think so often in our culture, we want to present the best version of ourselves. So there's an app that people can use that can literally take zits off your face and change the size of your arms, bigger or smaller, and your waist, so you could put out this picture of, I'm perfect. This is what I look like online, and then you meet people in person, they look nothing like it. We hide behind our imperfections. Ehud didn't. He embraced his imperfections, and he allowed God to use that for his glory. Are you willing to do that. Or if we don't like our body, you know in our culture we so easily can change things, we can inject things into our bodies and change how they look. 
We want to feel better, we can go on all these fads and diet plans. We don't like our car, we go trade it in. If we don't like our clothes, we can go to the mall that afternoon. If we don't like our future, we can change our degree or change our job. We have so much accessibility in our culture, and a lot of it's good, but if we start to think about it, how often do we sit in the uncomfortableness of who we are? Do we forget, it says in Psalm 139, this is what it says about how we were made, for you, were form, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit us together with our imperfections, with our shortcomings, exactly how we look, exactly what happened, happens to us. He knitted us for a specific reason. We need to press into that. We need to be thankful for who we are. We need to know that God wants to use us in our imperfections, in our shortcomings. You know, I, I a couple years ago, shared some of my disabilities, right? I, I have Tourette's, I have a brain injury from concussions, and those are the hardest things for me to share. It took me years to tell my wife. It, it's something I don't want to talk about. And we hide those things, right? We don't want others to see. We pretend we're okay when we need to press into them and see how God's going to use them for his glory because we don't know why God's allowed some of these things to happen. I still struggle with, with my concussions. Why did God allow me to have a brain injury? I don't know but I need to know that he can use that for his glory in my life. So what are your limitations? Your limitations do not limit God. Let's keep reading verse 24. After he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said he must be relieving himself in the inner room of his palace. They waited to the point of embarrassment. But when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked them. There they saw their Lord fallen to the floor, dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sarah. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill county of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down and took possessions of the fords of the Jordan and led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over it. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong. Not one escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel and the land had peace for 80 years. Why couldn't the Israelites at any point just get up and go defeat the Moabites? Well, they needed a leader. They needed somebody to take charge. They needed somebody to show them that God's with them. They can go do this. And it was the most unlikely person, this, this left-handed man that even the Moabites didn't take serious because he had a secret message and he went in and killed the king unsupervised. He impacted the whole nation of Israel to go defeat the Moabites, these mighty warriors, it says right here. This disabled man impacted, empowered the people around him. Are we impacting and empowering the people around us? In your neighborhoods, at work, at school, wherever you find yourself. You know, I, I go to work and uh, I don't really want to talk about religion or politics because I, I need to just do well at my job, get my paycheck so I can support my family and hopefully get, you know, uh, promotion and so I can retire and, and live a good life. And that's, those aren't wrong, but we are put in our jobs for a reason. God has you there for a specific purpose. You can make a difference at the office. In your neighborhood, uh, that's my safe space. 
I want to come home and rest and not to be awkward when I go see my neighbors. But God put you there for a reason. Why aren't you impacting your, your neighborhood? You know, we are disciples of Christ and our job is to go make disciples. And how are we supposed to do that if we're too afraid at work, at school, at home, at sports, at clubs, wherever we go, why are we afraid to go make disciples, to go stand up for what we believe and go impact and empower the people around us? When I was in high school, I thought, yeah, somebody else will be that strong Christian that kind of surrounds all of us and kind of empowers all of us. And then I fully kind of walked away from my faith because I was waiting for somebody to lead. Why couldn't I lead? Why couldn't I be the leader? I could have. Why can't we be the leaders of wherever God has put us? And as God moves us and puts us into different communities and different jobs and different spaces, that's for a purpose. And yes, we get to choose a lot of our steps, but there's often a reason behind it. And God can use us wherever we are, whoever we are. And that's one of the things I love the most about who God is. The heroes of the Bible the heroes that we read about, they're not like Spider-Man who got bitten by a spider and, and can shoot webs out of his arms and climb, climb walls and stuff, whatever Spider-Man could do. It's not like Captain America who could be frozen in a chamber or the Hulk who could turn green. We can't be like those people. Now, my wife tells me when I don't eat, I do turn into the Hulk, so I don't know. But we can read the Bible and we can be like David. We've been learning about it. Pastor has been in a series, a shepherd boy wasn't even brought to war because he was too young. This is a little guy who killed Goliath, who everybody was afraid of. He went on to be a man after God's own heart, to lead the entire nation of Israel and be one of the best kings that Jesus would come after. Peter, a fisherman. As much as I love fishing, fishermen don't really measure up to much. But he led the early church. Paul, a Christian killer. He was a terrifying individual. Wrote most of the New Testament. Went on three big missionary journeys. Started churches all over the place. Moses, a stutterer, a murderer, went to Pharaoh multiple times to let the Israelites go. Think about that. If we had to go to Justin Trudeau for some reason, that'd be terrifying. Now, I know Moses and Pharaoh had some sort of relationship, but think about that. Like, that actually happened. God uses unlikely people. God uses us and he wants to use our um, things that we don't love about ourselves. He wants to use our things that we do love about ourselves. He wants to use us exactly where he's placed us, but are we willing? And that's one of the things I love most about Ehud. God wanted to use him and we don't know all the context. I think there's only 18 verses, but he said, sure, use me. I'm okay to look, be looked down on. I'm okay to do whatever you ask me. I'm okay to use my left hand, even though when everybody thinks I should use my right. I'm okay to be used in my disability. Are we okay to be used in our disability? And it's interesting if we, we see, when we read the Old Testament narrative, it's a story, there's a beautiful web being woven that points towards Jesus and then towards us, how we live today. And if we think about how Jesus lived, he didn't come in as this mighty warrior king that came and, and slayed and defeated and, and people galloped behind him. He rode in on a donkey. He says, I am gentle and calm. I'm here to serve and wash your feet. And I'm here to give you new life. He did it differently. He flipped everything upside down. Our God works differently. And we have the privilege to be along for that ride. 
but we have to be willing to be used. And so the three things that we pulled out of this story this morning. First thing, sin has consequences. So what are we going to do that with that? Well, I think to stop sinning would be the easy answer, but it's more than that. Excuse me. I think we have to look at our lives and say, okay, what is impacting, what's impeding, what's, what's getting in the way of me having this beautiful relationship with the Lord? Because he's there waiting. He's there wanting to give us blessings. He's there wanting a relationship. And the sin that entangles us keeps us, keeps ourselves from feeling like we deserve to be with the Lord. We don't deserve it. But because of what Jesus is, we get to have a relationship with the Father. So I want to challenge us. Let's get rid of that sin. And when more sin comes, let's get rid of it. Let's work on it. Let's get in a life group. Let's get an accountability group together. Let's bring light to darkness. We can see, read the Old Testament, the consequences of sin is great. That's no different today. I think we feel sometimes in our culture that, you know what, there's grace, there's forgiveness. God is love, and so I can do whatever I want, and I'm going to be okay because God loves me. There's partial truths all in that, but I think that misses the point. If we love God, we have to deal with the things that God says to leave behind us because it's not going to help us. And so if you love God, you've got to walk towards him with all of you, not holding on to anything back. Second thing we pulled out is God can use us even if we are unlikely. We all have quirks. Those quirks make us great. Be encouraged that God can use you. But allow him to. Your limitations don't limit God, right? I asked you to chew on that for a little bit. Don't let whatever you don't like about yourself stop God from using you because he wants to, but you have to let him. And the third thing is you can impact and empower the people around you. I think we're in such a unique spot here as a church, here in this community. Stovall needs Christ. Newmarket, Markham, wherever you find yourself, there's so many lost people. But we're not going to reach them if we kind of come to church on Sundays and then we kind of stay quiet throughout the week. Go be the Ehud. Go be the leader. Go impact. Go make disciples. It's so exciting when we do so. It's so exciting when we can follow the Lord with what he says. And so I hope from this morning that we can take those three things, think about them. I hope we can go home today or throughout this week and reread this story, reread the, the stories of judge after judge and see how God delivered a nation time after time again. There's so much truth we can pull into our lives because of it. And so next time you watch Thor or the Avengers, remember we have our own heroes that can actually, we can actually model our lives after. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you are a God of second chances. You are a God who doesn't need to use us, but you choose to use us. You are a God, Father, you are a God that knitted us together in our mother's womb. I don't think I fully comprehend the significance of that. I so often get discouraged and down on myself. I don't like this, I don't like that, I wish this was different. But Lord, I pray that you use me in my shortcomings, you use me in my disabilities, you use me exactly how you created me to be used. And I pray for that for each and every one of us here, whether we feel like we're too young or too old, whether we feel like we've made too many mistakes, we don't have enough life experience. I pray that we could leave that discouragement behind and embrace who we are. 
and impact the world around us. There's so many people that need you. And you want to use us. Why? I don't know. But I'm sure I'm thankful. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Mm-hmm.